Well, welcome, and many Magic the Gathering players ask the question, how do I evaluate my commander deck relative to other commander decks? This is a very common topic, and I have invited the famous Olivia Goldbear Hicks of the Commander Advisory Group. You added to... an L in my name, by the way. What's that? You added an L in my name. I did? Mm-hmm. Ovivia. Sorry, Ovi... <sighs> I didn't mean to. Uh, Ovivia is here. I hate you so much. <laughs> Olivia Golbert. 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 There's no L. It's not like Stephen Colbert. It is not. I thought it was like Colbert. No, just Olivia Golbert. Okay, Gobert. Olivia, <laughs> Olivia, go, like, so Gobert's. Akin to, I actually had somebody think that I was a big Cal Bears fan. And uh -huh. they were like, did you really put your last name? as like, I was like, no, it's G-O-B-E-R-T. And they was like, oh. Olivia Gobert Hicks of the Commander Advisory Group to talk about this subject. So one of the things, I want to just start with what we've both noticed in our own uh, experience, because one of the things with Commander is that unlike, say, uh, more competitive uh, traditional formats, modern and now pioneer standard, certainly, where you're going into Friday Night Magic or uh, GPs and things like that, where you get, I think, a, a more common experience people have wildly differing commander experiences. Your play group is nothing like my play group. Some people go into Friday Night Magic and just ask for people to get a casual game of commander. Others now go to Command Fest, which mm -hmm. is a big sensation. But people's experiences are different. My experience with this idea of how do you evaluate decks is going to be very different from yours. So why don't we start with sharing their uh, uh, ours. I'll just go first to kind of set the tone. Yeah. Uh, I have often found that when I have a recurring play group, we do not get into things like an arms race because my play groups really like to rotate decks. And so we will have someone in the play group bring in one commander deck one week, and we might not see that commander deck again for 10 weeks. Yeah. And so I think where arms races, which I hear from people, uh, viewers a lot happen is when you have one or two commander decks that you're bringing the same deck every week. And then it's like, oh, wow, Olivia's shut down my whatever deck. Right. I'm going to put these cards in. And then we start to get that build up. And so I think that when you are the sort of player who has six to 10 commander decks, it's a lot easier to have a variety of power levels, but what do we even mean by power? Like when you, when someone says, what's the power level of your deck? What do you use? Like a scale system? Uh, uh, what do you think I mean, of? the scale system can work with people you know, and then you guys have a similar understanding of what a five is, of what a six is. And there's, there's an assurance within the group that slight deviations from those numbers are still going to be understood. You guys have a common baseline mm -hmm. when, when you set those numbers. When you go into a brand new group of people that you've never dealt with or that you've never played with, using a number system can work, but not really at the same time. You don't have the same baseline. Like what, somebody's, you know, mid-range, like five or six is another person's seven to eight. Or sure. there's a lot of discrepancies that can be there. Generally, if you do even want to start with that, if you say numbers, if you use the number system, that's fine, especially, again, in like a cohesive group where you'll have that same understanding of what that kind of thing is. Generally, what I ask is not what your number is. How many turns does it take for your deck to just it go off? Like, mm -hmm. what's it going to be? Are you infinite combo turn fiving? I don't have anything that plays like that, so I'm probably not going to sit down at that table. Or 
I know that's going to be a really short game for me and maybe not get super excited about like getting my combo out, which normally happens turn eight or nine or ten. So do you mean like if I were to leave you alone? So like if I like, let's say I, I uh, everybody else at the table just completely whiffed each turn. How many turns would it take you to to just basically win if left completely undisrupted? I'm not undisrupted. I would say with some interaction. Sure. But generally, like, if you give a range of, like, oh, well, in three to five turns, maybe something gets, somebody gets rid of, you know, my turn three, like, mm -hmm. what I need to make mm -hmm. it happen, I'll be okay on four or five. Like, I can still okay. get it to pop. Right. Give me a range of, like, whereabouts can you really reliably have your deck's engine going or reliable. just kind of... That's not I know, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> well, that may be the case. But I feel like a lot of people, if they, if if they're being honest, they know their decks well enough, especially if they're not brand new, you know? If you've right. played with it a couple of times, you can say pretty reliably, like, I'm going to have an aggressive board state before turn 10 sure. or before turn 8. And sure. that's that's a good way to kind of gauge what the experience is going to be. Not necessarily a power level, but what to look for when you're choosing a deck that's going to be around the same area. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a really important question just right off the bat is yes or no, uh, is this CEDH or not? Uh I feel like that's almost not a question. Really? I think, I think, and the reason why I think is that the CDH community is really specific and very clear about what they're doing, what they're playing. Like, there's a very, I feel, good understanding within CDH of what it is they're looking for. I don't feel like a lot of CDH players, like, go out of their way to find a casual pod to just stomp on everybody. Like, that's right. not an experience I've ever had. It's more that people either... Again, using that number sort of system, they don't have a good understanding of baselines between from one person to the next. So again, they're, you know, that's oh, an eight. That's, you know, T3 combo out. That's right. actually probably not for most people. And that's not the understanding that they have it, that they have going into it. So I think that it's not necessarily a CDH problem. CDH is pretty clear on like what it is they're playing and that they are distinctly not casual commander. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I think that's not really the, the issue there. I think it's a lack of baselines, a misunderstanding of what these numbers can mean to each other. And that's a communication thing. It's it's taking the 30 seconds before you sit down at a table and talking with people. Like I know it can be really difficult, but it will improve the state of your game and the experience you have. Taking that time, making that effort to just be like, let's just make sure we're at least within, you know, a reasonable yeah. range of each other. Yeah. I think that one of the most important things is being honest with your group and being honest with yourself. And that second one is actually really difficult because there's a lot of people, and I, I think that it's fine if you're honest about it, if you want to make, I don't want to say like a troll deck, but you really do want to, to, to make a chaos deck or a deck that causes trouble that's going to gunk everybody up. You have to be honest about that. You can't just be like, oh, they're going to see what happens. You know, like, hey, that's, that's not really fun for everyone if you're going to make a disruptive deck like that uh, or a deck that is going to get crazy out of hand crazy fast. And then you're like, I'm going to spring it on them. Yeah. That's not really fair. You got to be honest about that and say, hey, listen, this is a wacky deck or this is going to be a, a aggressive deck. I'm going to have 100 tokens on the field on turn three sort of thing. It's going to happen. Uh, let them know, but also be honest with yourself about just what your deck is. And you can't approach playing commander as like playing a prank on your uh You'll never group. sit with that table again. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
And that's what I hear from so many people when they write to me about problems with their playgroup is yeah. it sounds like they're they're all trying to almost entertain each other with the awfulness of their decks. And I think that's a very detrimental and that explaining that, like even if you have a, a, a group and you're meeting in your living room or you're meeting in, in, in Steve or Jane's living room or whatever, say that at the start, say like, so, hey guys, it's, it's good to talk about power levels. We don't like surprises in that area unless we're specifically gonna say, let's do a surprise now. Night. Like, like, take that moment to orient everyone. Don't just say, all right, sit down, let's go wild. You know, we want to have a good time. Sleeve up and have a good time. And so that is really important. So I like that idea about uh, uh, talking about how long it's going to take for your deck to go off or at least to be a, a major threat that needs to be answered. What I like to do is talk about how optimized my deck is. Yeah. And so what I have a lot of pre-cons because, because I review them, I end up with a lot of opened and tested yeah, pre-cons <laughs> and I give a lot away, but I still, I usually end up keeping about one per set and for myself. And I'm, what I do with that one per set is I, I've only on one of them really fully optimized it. And right. what I do is kind of a, uh, a mild optimization where there's a lot of like dud cards in these pre-cons. Like you just are, yeah. take them out and get something that has a lot right. more synergy to it. Right. Whatever, so yeah. example, I'm going to maybe take out a tap land and put in a shock land. You know, uh, take out one of those, those or a guild gate, I should say. Or uh, a battle bond land, an actual or, commander well, land. That's, those are starting to get expensive <laughs> I now. I know they are. They, because they don't reprint them in the commander decks. It's the strangest thing. They even say like if you have more than one opponent for right. a multiplayer format. And which is like, so that's never going to be reprinted in a, a, a basic draft set, a yearly draft set. I don't know, but that's another discussion. Fair so uh, I will do mild upgrades. And <laughs> if I really like the deck, I might go a little further. And I right. like to think of it in percentages. This is like 30% optimized. I took 30% what is 30, of the cards out. So when you say 30% optimized, mm -hmm. do you mean percentage of the cards that you changed? I mean, I take or about the 30. Or the improvement on the deck's power level well, coming out of the point. box. It's and that's where we get, it gets nebulous. And I, I do, I'll take maybe about 30 cards out of the pre-con right. and, and I'll bring in 30 cards that are better than what was in the pre-con. You could easily argue that taking 30 cards out and putting 30 new cards in, you could absolutely make a tier 10 deck out of that. Yeah, or but not the way like, like, I do it because I don't even I, consider. But I, under, I understand, yeah. but that's the problem with saying like, what well, is your 30% quantity of cards? from, like, you changed 30% of them? Right. Or did you increase the synergy of it 30%? Yeah. I, I hate you... spending I hate spending more than five to 10 bucks on a card anyway. Right. So I am not going to put, I said Shocklands because Shocklands are like four bucks thanks to the recent reprint. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're going to go back up again, but they're 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 very affordable now. So it's like, cool, I'll throw in in, in a four or $5 Shockland of the color of, of my commander's color identity, but I'm not going to put a fetch land in there. And first of all, that doesn't do much. And second of all, I, but there you go with the battle bond lands is those are up. I don't want to put a $20 bill in just to make one land better. Uh, I don't need to do that. Not for a deck that isn't my favorite deck. Well, well and yeah, I understand that yeah. too. I think that may be something, and actually back to the, to the earlier points about talking with your play groups and not springing complete, utter chaos on them is like, hee hee, got you. Right. Nobody likes that. In my playgroup, what we do often is, hey, I have something that's super degenerate. I'm telling you ahead of time. I want to play it now. Right. Bring out your worst. This is what I'm going to do. I just want to see how this plays. Yes. And, and then they'll bring it out. It's like, oh my God, I hate this. I never want to see it again. Here's what's a great build. And you should really change this card out. And when you bring it to a competition, do this, do this, do this. Please don't ever bring it to the table again. Or just tell me ahead of time so I can build something comparable. Right. Fine. That's sure. great. We, like, 
that goes down to the honesty. Exactly. It absolutely comes to the honesty. Like we tell people, we tell each other all the time, like, oh, this is really terrible. I played, uh, I have a tribal Liliana deck, which is mono black. Which Liliana? Oh, tribal Liliana. Yeah. Which Liliana? All of them. Tribal. All of the Liliana. Yes. So it's, I mean, some of these cards have no business being in any decks at all, but they have Liliana in the art or in the flavor text. So I included it. But the first time I, I want to say maybe second or third time I played it, I played Contamination, which just makes everything tap for black. And I was playing against three people that were not playing black. Right. And it happened, and everyone got mad at me, and the house rule became, well, since you, you know, absolutely stomped on us and we can't answer that. Right. Do you mind pulling it out when we play that for this? I was like, sure, no problem. I'll put something else in, just set that aside, and if I'm going to play, ooh, goodness, if I'm going to go and play this deck elsewhere, I can slide my contamination back in. It's just like, it's mono black and terrible. Like, if I get it out, just, you know. I I love that ability. I've talked about that, the ability to slide uh, uh, one or two cards out, and it's like flipping a switch from easy to hard mode sort of thing. Absolutely, yeah. I have a taste of combo deck that if you said to me, we sat down, you said, so how long is it going to take for this to go off? And I said, well, if it, unless you really, everybody gangs up and disrupts me like crazy, I might be going off anywhere between turn four or five, uh, and it's like, it's combo win. Yeah. Uh, so like I usually become arch enemy as soon as the, as soon as the skull <laughs> as soon as the blasting station or the skull clamp hits. Yes, it's like I we remember, gotta get rid of uh-huh. that. I remember that uh, uh, but it doesn't work if I slide out Darkest Hour. And if I yeah. take out Darkest Hour, I can't go infinite. I can do maybe 10 points with that blasting station, but I can't go infinite. And so I'll I'll slide out one card and I keep a couple extra yeah. you know, duds that I, I'll slide in in its place. And and being willing to do that, I also think that not getting that upset when somebody does have the contamination win and it's like, you know, we can all yell at you as a friend. Yes. But then it's like, you know what the response should be? All right, next game, do you mind bringing out another, another deck? Absolutely. And, that and you know, that was definitely what happened is we all sleeved up and had something new and that was fine. Um, I think it was good feedback, though, that it was one of those things where, like, this gets played and the game is basically end. Like, it was a lockout. Right. If you can't tap for any other colors, like, you can't counter my stuff, you can't bounce my stuff because you're running white, like, blue. Right. If all you're tapping for and getting is black, then your deck is useless. Yes. That's not fun. I get that. So I think it's a great card. I think it is useful to, I know it sounds kind of weird, but like almost have a sideboard with you because especially Mm. for your best decks or for the ones that you know can just take off running, have a sideboard. If it's the only one you brought, just have a couple extra cards. It was like, oh, I'm completely outgunning everyone here and it won't be fun maybe even through the first game. It's not mm-hmm. going to be great, and it's, you know, we're supposed to be here all night, that you can slide in or out and say, I can I can knock this power down. Or sometimes it's okay to not play the infinite combo that's in your hand. It's okay to scale back your own deck from the choices and not be mm-hmm. like, well, it's what I drew. You don't have to play it if you can read yeah. the table and see this is not going to be fun for anybody. That's an interesting idea. A sideboard for Commander where the intent is to change the power levels because one of the things I have also heard from viewers is, is that it's all well and good for maybe people like myself or yourself. And I mean, how many Commander decks do you have? 14. 14. 15. 15. Right. I, I used to be like you. This I is my, it's my yeah. only format. I like, I don't have anything else. I but had, that's what I do. 
year and a half ago, I had 15. I've, I, I'm, I'm down to about eight right now. I, and I think I want to make it six uh, uh, and rotate, like with rotate where I'm going to take yeah. apart and put together. But like, because I just wasn't playing them as much. But right. there's some people, honestly, they got one or two commander decks and, and they can't be like, well, I can't have five different power levels and, and stuff like that. I've got exactly. one. That's a, and you know what? If you only do have one commander deck uh, and you, this now gives you more stuff to do what is for most of us, the most fun part of commander, which is building and thinking. And so it's like, okay, cool. What about a sideboard of, of, of how many cards, you know, 10, 15, 20 cards that can swap in and change the power level of the deck that yeah. can take individual cards like contamination that can take, you know, your, your sanguine blood combo. It's like, right. okay, I'll replace that with something that isn't a combo mm -hmm. and that you can have different power levels, but getting right back to power levels, what makes something a low power deck? What makes it low power? How do we, how do we look at it? We, we were recently at command fest and our good friend, Krim, uh, the Asian Avenger, go check out his, his, his stream. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, they had asked us to bring Right, moderate, like level seven out of ten. Did decks, we actually right? ever agree on a power level? I feel like I everybody... believe that's what they told. Okay, I, feel, I like... feel like I heard seven, like setting seven out of ten is okay. what I th think I heard. I feel like we all were saying, "Hey, we should discuss what decks, yeah. kind of power level." So we all just listed off what decks we had and were bringing. But nobody I, I really I feel said like I was the only it. person that showed up with a seven out of ten. I brought good old 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 Sig River Guide. <laughs> Uh, yes, there's some swords in there. Sig with swords can get a little mean, but it's 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 and 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 crims over there with Mogus or whatever. Oh, the five turn I right. make everybody hate me deck. I mean, with that sort of thing, part of that too. But he that, admitted. I mean, we were sitting yeah. around laughing, and he said to us, right "Wait a minute." Bat. He said, "You think this is." More, more powerful than it should be. And we were both laughing and looking at his deck and saying, dude, this is ridiculous. And he goes, really? I thought this was modest, you know? And and so, but I, I think that's a fair that. question. How do I look at my deck? How could we tell our friend, you know, who's saying, wow, I thought this was modest and you're saying this is a high level. Because the other thing is, this is one thing where you have a play group that you can communicate with in a much more way. And I think, you know, stores are running Thursday commander night. Come sit down with three people. Yeah. How do you better self-evaluate a deck where you're not going in to sit with necessarily people you know? And your store says, we want modest, moderate power level only for Thursday commander night. You go, that's fair. And then you look at your decks and you're like, oh dear, what does modest mean? What does that mean? I mean, modest. For me, I think it's not necessarily. It's sorry. not. No, it's okay. I think it's more of a spirit of the format question than it is a like law of the format sort of question. Mm -hmm. Only in the sense that you know, my introduction to Commander was decidedly non-competitive. Decided. Decidedly non-competitive. Yeah. You know, again, eight-person, two-headed giant was my first game, and I right. have somebody sitting next to me explaining why things should be happening. Yeah. So. For me, it was always the social aspect. It was having something. It's making big, splashy plays that are probably not going to win you the game. Maybe they do. That's great. But, like, do something crazy that right. nobody's seen before or is really inventive. Maybe it doesn't win you. Fine. But you did something cool, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that's almost one of the questions you can ask yourself. Is the goal to win and win fast? Right. That's probably going to lean to being more optimized, to being a higher level, like how aggressively are you going for the W? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be, I'm going to lock everybody out? Is it by attrition? Like if you're asking yourself, well, which kind of, you know, like method am I taking to get there? Mm -hmm. You're already very decidedly aggressively going for the win. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put that as 
way higher than I am. Something's like, well, I found a bunch of these cards in a shoebox and some of them synergize together, but I haven't even tried it yet. Let's see what ter- happens when I turn things sideways. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot to be said about synergizing things, about getting a lot of value that makes you a big problem and fast mm-hmm. is something that you can consider. If, if you want to just kind of see where the board takes you, I feel like even if you have a lot of powerful cards, you're not necessarily going to be seeing power like level as far as aggression towards the win. What do you consider powerful cards? You can run like powerful mana rock suite, have a crypt vault of monoliths of all kinds. I have those in Brea, and sometimes mm-hmm. they're all out on the board, and I have a lot of colorless mana in a right. very heavily colored deck. Right. So I have a very large, scary presence that I can't do a thing with, and this has happened to me more than once. I empty my hand with colorless artifacts, and I sit there and die because I look really scary, and I can't cast a thing. Sure. But those are all powerful cards that give you a mana advantage that don't necessarily have to be game enders, mm-hmm. and that have... A way to be synergized and have value, like have those cards out with Unwinding Clock, it's a different story altogether. Mm. Don't. It's like, okay, well, I still have to pay for it to untap this model if I've got to, you right. know, flip for the, uh, which one do you flip for? You flip the Crypt? I always get the Crypt and Vault mixed pay up. Pay for the Crypt and you flip for the Vault. Here, hang on, hang, hang on. Watch, watch me look smart. Well, what you do is it's Crypt that you flip and Vault that you pay for. Well, what you do is it's Vault that you flip and Crypt that you pay for. Smarty pants. So Either do way. You, do you even play this game? No. 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 Yeah. My husband makes all my decks for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, there there are ways to have, like, powerful, expensive cards that just never fire. And, right. they, you know, I mean, again, I hesitate playing some of those cards or using them, even in my Brea deck, if I don't have Unwinding Clock in my hand or I've right. used a tutor recently. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to have the ability to go fish for it. Maybe I need it once and that's all I get from it. So That's a great example of that sideboard, too, because like you you said, Unwinding Clock makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Uh, and then so slide out the Unwinding Clock if yeah. you're sitting down with some people with some pre-cons. Well, and you can do it, you know, with almost anything. If you haven't, if you want, only want to have one or two decks, build yourself some sideboards that be sure. like, this would like decidedly depower my deck. Sideboard. If I take this infinite combo out, but I put these two yeah. cards in that still work, still synergize, still are, you know, decent and I can do something with, but they don't immediately take off. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely down or upgrade a deck, keep it on theme, keep it the same, and not have to reinvest in a whole new suite of cards but still be versatile enough that you can hop into almost any game and be on the same level as everybody else. Yeah. Is it too much to to, to just say, just just have a pre-con that is not altered? Yeah. Like, you know, that's too much. Oh, no, no. I don't think it's too much. Oh, okay. To just be like, no, pre-con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just walk I, in with, I, I, and I say that, I would know. A pre-con. Ex- I mean, you can get them still, despite mm-hmm. Wizards raising the prices every year on them. You, they're still available, like, from older years, where if you dig around and you're not too picky, you can still find, you know, plenty to choose from in the 30 to $35 range, which is, I mean, yeah, I don't want to be that's like, a that's a pretty decent entry-level 
Sure, entry level, but I mean, like, like I I just say, I would say to the audience, honestly, do you have an unaltered pre-con sleeved up that you keep in your bag? Just one. And if the answer is no, the question is, is do you got 30 bucks that you're going to spend to be able to get more games of Commander when you see a bunch of people who have casual decks and you want to sit down with that? You know, uh, and and I I have that. I have a couple of them, obviously, but uh, uh, I think that those are a, a great example of balance. Balance, and there have been some exceptions over the years. Certainly, Edgar certainly. Markov, but uh, uh, for the most part, vampire non grata, as far as I'm concerned. But. For the most part, what five out of ten in terms of power level? Like I would say that, like if I had and sat you can down get in the cl- and you can get some clutch draws and make them seven oh, sure, just by getting the right sure. plays. Well, but and that's where we get into again, me swapping the, out some cards and, and again the range. And, like yeah. it's you know you can build as op a deck as you can imagine. If you never draw the cards for that combo, then what good right. does it do? You? Right. <laughs> if it's never in your hand and you can't cast it, well then it's a different story altogether. Right. I've had plenty of times where. You know, uh, I, I mentioned my Brea or Tesa because those are easily the two, like, most honed, powerful decks that I have. I can't get a thing on the board to save my life because mm-hmm. I have, like, a great opening hand and I never draw into anything I need. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, here's six pieces from seven different win cons. Right. I can't make anything work with this. And right. then I'm out and just wait for the next game. Right. You know, it happens. Yeah, sure, sure. What what are some of the big red flags that you've got something that is uh, too high of a a power level or that is making your so I'll, I'll say red I'll offer one red flag number one you have uh, either of the two orbs uh, 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 winter right or or uh, it's not static. too powerful it's just mean well but it's also if I'm sitting down to knowingly play with those cards if I'm sitting down to knowingly play. Stacks, yeah. as we call it, uh, and I know the term stacks, and I can say there's it's a stack. I had stack, to learn stack. what that was like recently yeah. because I've never used like the meta or the archetypes right, sure. for the cards because I don't know what those are. So I just and that's fine. I mean, like, so our friend uh, Vince, uh, 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 I can say to Vince, "You mind if I play a stack deck?" And he'll be like, "Oh, fine." You right, know, he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's great with it. But you you have to have that that conversation. But I do think it's also fair that if you're going to go and as I did look at Urza and and say. I love this idea. You have to say to yourself, as much joy as I'm getting from this, this is going to be a mean, overpowered uh, uh, deck that I'm going to have to learn how to pilot really well and not embarrass myself, you know, like ruining everyone's evening, but also that maybe I'm not going to get to play a lot. So maybe I don't want to sit down and log into, you know, Card Kingdoms forward slash TCC tonight and, and buy... Uh, 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 masterpieces of all of, of all the artifacts and, and things for this deck and then come in the next day to a play group that's going to say, don't bring that next week or, or please only use that once in a while. It's not, it's not uh, our level. I think one of the things to consider is when you're building a deck, how much you would hate playing against it. <laughs> Honestly, one of the greatest things I think that we did in my play group was we would hand each other one another's decks and we'd play with those. That's a great idea, too. I hate your Xenagos deck. Right. Gimme. And then I had to play it out and be like, I can tell you exactly why I hate it, but I see why you did this, and I see why you did that. And when you can sometimes play against or play with, mm. like, the deck you've built, I hate my brain. Right. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, I'm the worst, you guys. Why do you still play with me? Like, sometimes, and it's funny, actually, watching my deck fire off for other people besides me sometimes. <laughs> like, I've never had this happen. What right. the hell? So I think that's a really good way to kind of like check where you are is, is just hand, you know, obviously someone you trust, 
but hand your deck over and play yeah. against it and see what it's like, especially if you're familiar with the deck that you're now playing or you've played against it and you know, I hate it for this, I hate it for this, or mm -hmm. it's always super oppressive and see what it's like. And if it's not fun for you, it's probably not going to be fun for anybody else. Yeah. And at that point, you can take a step back and maybe you want to keep it as it is. You know, you know what your play group is. There's your sideboard again of just having a couple extra cards like, all right, guys, I know it's Urza, but it's missing this, it's missing this. Like, yeah. it's not going to be turn four that you, you we're done here. So Right. And I, I, think, I think that's a great uh, uh, system. Uh, again, I know not everyone has a play group, right. but to to just regularly say in the play group, all right, everybody, let's trade decks and, and get a game. Doing that is a, is a great And it's method. a really, really fascinating way to learn a play style or a method of deck building that's totally not your own. Right. Because it's it's part of this whole like culture of optimization on some of these things like takes a little bit of the fun out of it for me when I build decks, I will find a commander that I'm interested in and I will just start going through my own boxes first. I won't even use the internet to tell me, "Hey, what's great for this?" It's just like I know, okay, so I need enter the battlefield stuff, and I'll just start going. Mm -hmm. And seeing what says enter the battlefield, and just have a stack about this big, and then start sorting through it. Right. Go through that, figure out, okay, well, this one is an ETB, but it sucks, and it totally doesn't work with this, so I'm not going to have that one, so I narrow it down. And then I'll go to, like, Scryfall, and see yeah. if there's any cards that I just don't have that have similar stuff. Right. And then finally, at the end of it, after I've more or less built what I want in the 60-some-odd non-land cards... I'll hit EDH track and be like, is there anything I thought, didn't even think of or never entered my mind or I don't know that I missed? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Ah, but it's not my play style. Like, I don't really like sacrificing stuff. Right. Or I hate discarding cards. <laughs> like, I don't play a lot of red because of that. So I think that you can, you know, have a really new perspective given to you on why people build the way they do, on what's fun for other people in your group based on what they build their decks like on when you have to play them. Like, it's a really interesting kind of, you know, shift in thinking of trying to analyze why someone may have done this or whatever, but it can it can broaden your horizons on both mm. what's fun for other people, why they think it is, and and give you a better play experience between your play group, if that's something that you have. The, and that's the hard thing, is, is understanding that you have to think about what's fun for other people. And, and when it's so delightful to think of what isn't fun for other people, and I'm going to sit down with smokestacks and tangle wire and Teferi's puzzle box. And I mean, I, I've done lots of videos on yeah. the channel where that's a joke in the video, but those are also insanely popular where people think that's, you know, like, oh, how fun, but that's not fun for everyone and, right. and, and, and such. So. And again, it's this, it, you know, it's that, and this is a super personal thing that for me, it's the spirit of the format. I've always known it to be, I'm sitting down to have fun with my friends right. and the game is secondary, right. honestly. Mm. It's it's a really good like yeah. thing to keep it going and we're having fun doing it. And if we're not, why are we doing it? Right. So with that in consideration, it's easy to be, hey, this is really crazy and this deck can take off and then you can rift me and all of a sudden you're having fun and now I'm having less fun. You know? Right. Like, we can keep it going on that. There's never anything, I don't think any of us have stacks or anything like that where it's so oppressive. It's just like, okay, we'll finish playing Magic because I'm going to go start dinner because obviously I'm not doing anything. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I that's fair. Do you think that then things like that need to? But that's just getting into self policing. I was about to ask about bans. Uh, no, I think it's because you're I, on the advi- ad- advisory group. I am. Uh, you're the CAG, as we call yes. it. So, would you advise uh, 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 Winter Orb and 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 Stasis uh, uh, Orb to be? Um, Banned. I've played against both of them, and I wouldn't because yeah. I would just tell my friend I'm not playing against that deck anymore. Mm-hmm. And if I was at a table and that came out and the game was over, I would probably grab my things and be like, it was lovely having a game with you and find another pod. Sure. Um, I don't think, because there are people that will have fun, and there are people that have fun playing against those decks. Yeah, again, because for them Vince and what they is built, one of those lunatics. Right. It's he a, loves that. It's crap. a challenge for yeah. them, and that's great, and we <laughs> yeah. shouldn't remove that, shouldn't be removed just because it can be oppressive to some. There right. are some things, and you know, again, being brand new on the CAG, I have zero experience to speak on. I know that there are things that can just get out of hand and be format bending. Right. I have yet to be involved in any of those discussions or that sort of thing yet, so that's, you know, I'm not speaking to that. But based on what happens in other formats, there are cards that will just destroy the play experience. Writ large, and that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that because this format is something where, like the RC says, we're not coming to your kitchen table. Right. We're never. You want to run an Emrakul Aeon's Torn deck? Knock yourself out. Don't bring it to a tournament and expect everybody to be okay with it. Okay. It's yeah. rule zero. It is talking to people. It is engaging the people that you're about to play a multiplayer social game with for the requisite minute and a half before you start to make sure that everyone is going to have fun. It may not be, there, you know, like the best experience of their life, but it's not going to be this absolutely terrible experience where they walk away like, I hate this format and I'm never playing it again. Right. The very common thing that I hear is people who do not have access to a lot of people to play Commander with. They maybe are in a small town or simply uh, uh, their store doesn't have a large Commander population and they maybe only have for people at the store that once a week they have an opportunity to sit down and play with and they say this person is bringing the stack stack i if i can't walk if i walk away i don't get to play commander right. how do i communicate with this person who might be a 17 year old kid that that is 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 not necessarily not the adult that the living room with friends and pizza and and yeah. and, and stuff like that and like and and might be someone that I don't even know that well, but I want to try and communicate some of these ideas to them. What 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 do you do say in that situation? It's a bad situation to it begin is, with, but it's sure. really common. It's okay. really common that I don't have people in my living room. I'm going down to Thursday night commander free play. God help and me. there's <laughs> four people and there's four people there. And if I get up and walk out, I don't get to play commander. Right. So what do you do? I think Hmm. I mean, it's like, it's, yeah, it's having been very lucky and never having that situation because the only time I ever played was like with my friends that invited me to their group Mm -hmm. and that kind of shaped my entire outlook on the format. So it wasn't, like I said, it was decidedly not competitive and it wasn't a show off of check out my amazing combo every single week, every single time. Um, I think something that might be helpful is to, without cards, not right before a game, so it doesn't at least try to de-antagonize it as much as you can, um, just mention that it has gotten stale, unfun, mm. whatever it may be, and 
ask if they're willing to try a different deck. Right. Or, you know, if or you take out the problem piece. Take out a problem piece. You know, are you willing to substitute this? We know this is your infinite combo. You play the same thing every time. You know, like we get it. And it's it's not that it's unfun, it's just getting old. It's so sure. predictable. Right. Ask if they're willing to try. Do you have a pre-con? In, like, try to make a theme thing. Hey, how about a night where we all play pre-con decks? Sure. Make the offer, you know? I mean, see if there's any willingness to try something new, to budge, to, you know, again, expand the play horizon there. Right. And if not, well, maybe see what the other players think. Is this something where we want to try to show up half an hour early and have a three-person pot? I mean, it's not... It's not going to feel That's good rough, to the person. That's rough, though. Then you're, I, I trying to exclude this person, and they might not even, you know, it's like. Yeah, I and, and part of it is like, but at the same time, why should you have to sacrifice a good game experience for yourself too? Yeah, it's. I, th- it's I, really I would definitely say try talking. Always 100%. talk to them first, and and always listen. Talk first. Out of those three to four people, to the people who say this to me, at least one person there has to be like like more like us in terms of having six commander decks. And so say, hey, listen, can you bring a different deck for 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 him or her this week and 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 try and urge? Because they might, if I'm picturing worst case scenario, they go, I don't have money for a pre-con. I don't have the ability to do another one. I put all my trades into building this one miserable deck. It's all I have and it's all I'm going to play. And it's like, well, you know, Joey here has 15 decks. So, you know, why don't we all rotate through them and, and such? Yeah, um, and, and like I said, I mean, beyond last resort on yeah, straight up like yeah. excluding someone. And it's not even that. It's almost like, why don't you show up early and try to get a game in with other people? Right. Not necessarily to exclude them, but just to have one where you don't have to be miserable sure. and pulling your hair sure. out. I'm not saying leave for whatever yeah. afterwards, but like try to get a different game in with a new group if you can. I'm sure, well, I can't say I'm sure, you know, there are hopefully other people there that might be willing to at least try it. Hey, does anybody want to join a fourth? You don't need a deck as if we have one, you know? It's really fraught and complicated, obviously, especially when you're in a limited, you know, player situation. I get that. Right. Try to do, you know, offer up themes is, I think, one of the things that can be really good. Bring plane chase into it, honestly, because that absolutely changes how decks can play or how they're going to affect the board. Maybe it locks them out inadvertently and be like, roll off. Let's do this. (laughs) This is up to you now, too. So I think there's other ways to introduce maybe some variety or to get them to see like what is bringing the group down or is really like hurting you is having this really bad experience. Inject something into it like, hey, you know what? We've been doing these same decks for like a couple weeks now. How about we use our same commanders and you can't have any of the cards that you did from last time. Right. And just, you can only use stuff that you didn't buy or for the deck. You know, like just go through the shoebox, see what there is. Put a budget restriction on it. Give it a... You can only play colors you never play. Like, make me build a mono red deck that's mm-hmm. completely out of my element. I have no yeah. idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Just uh, try to to modify the parameters of the game you're playing some other way, maybe. Mm-hmm. Then, at least with that way, it's not anything personal. It's like, this play has become unfun. You're a great person as a human. Right. I never want to see that deck again. Sure. How about we do play chase yeah. next time? Let's all switch commanders. Let's get a color restriction. Nobody can use red. Nobody can right. use blue. There's ways to get around it and offer it nicely as you can. Obviously, beyond trying to make those overtures and do what you can to remain inclusive and change how the negative experiences that you've got to take on your own and it 
case by case basis. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, it's hard to give writ large advice on that sort of thing. But I really think that instilling or not instilling it, instituting some kind of change or restriction that's going to force creativity, that's going to force something new to come to the table, might be a good way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would also just say for people who in general are in those situations where it's a very small amount of people that they have access to play commander, try and and, and do what you can to grow that community because yeah. having more players and more options, like ask ask the store owner or manager or whoever's in charge, can we try and organize a commander free play night? Uh, is there a Facebook group? Uh, in your area, so like, t- in, uh, insert your city name uh, uh, and and commander play group, and see if there is a Facebook group or a, 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 a any other type of, of of message board or some use the internet as a resource to try and find other players in that area that maybe want to come down to the store and and get a game. Most stores have a Facebook group where you can say, "Hey, Wednesday night, people want to bring in a commander deck." Uh, uh, talk to the store owners about when the Commander product comes out once a year. And next year is the year of Commander. We're going to be having a new Commander product every couple of months. Uh, uh, So, but seize on that. Like sometimes you get a store owner who maybe the store doesn't primarily do magic and the store owner doesn't play and they're in the back really more interested in in their their Warhammer, you know, thing. And you're like, hey, there's a thing going on. You know, can we try and, you know, like organize this and encourage them? They'll be like, oh yeah, sure. I mean, hopefully they're smart enough to be like, yeah, that sounds Sounds good. Let's try and sell oh, some Oh, wait, you want to bring more people into the yeah, store? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, try and do that. If you play other formats and draft, talk about it. Ask yeah. people. See, you know, for all you know, you'll be chatting with someone during Friday Night Magic about, like, you don't have anyone to play Commander with, and they'll be like, oh, my house and living room, yeah. you know, we do it and, and, and can invite you over. I uh, think another thing, too, is that there are people that stream Paper Commander and some of us do it remotely. I know I'm one, but mm-hmm. there's also MTG Lexicon. I know Spike Feeders is going to be doing gameplay and stuff. Oh, but cool. those people have communities too. Yes. And if you watch those, I bet you might be able to find a way to play remotely. I really like and because, uh, I was going to save it for the end to no. plug uh, uh, to plug your uh, live gameplay <laughs> stream of of uh, uh, Commander, but that's exactly a great place to go to talk to the community about things such as I'm having this issue. Does anyone know anywhere in Austin that I can go get some Commander? Does anybody know somewhere in Portland or San Francisco or whatever yeah. where 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 there's uh, uh, maybe a place I didn't know of? I mean, in San Francisco. Francisco, there was all kinds of uh, groups that would get together, not in game stores, but they'd go down to a bar, or they'd go down to this restaurant, mm-hmm. and they'd get different types of magic. And so maybe you're like, I had no idea it was right. Commander Night at you know the Vindaloo Palace. That's great, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, you know, exactly. uh, 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 I will have that. And and so you you can find out, yeah. It stinks when you're in, you know, Nowheresville mm-hmm. and, and it's just small population town uh, or it just happens to be, hey, I lived in, in Tucson for, I don't know what it's like now, but when I was in Tucson for grad school, boy, oh boy, was it a ghost town as far as, you know, being able to find those communities. Yeah. Hopefully it's gotten better in, in 20 years later or whatever it's been, <laughs> you know, I'm so old. But yeah, I, I definitely think we do have the advantage, I mean, of t- of looking at online communities. Discords mm-hmm. is another one. Those are, are really We've got a Talarian Discord. Everybody's we're, Discord we're stream, now. We stream yeah. over Discord. Right. We, that's what go. we do. We start a private call and then we throw it on OBS. I mean, we're, uh, with the exception now of one of my, you know, regulars moving in and being one of my roommates, we're all in different spots. Yeah. 
we're all sitting at our own tables and looking at a screen and being like, okay, which card is that? All right, right. so I'm going to do this. We just are a little bit more careful on clone or stealing stuff because obviously sure. it's going to be really tough to, to do stuff like that. Sure. But, I mean, I'm sure that people in... I know my Discord have probably, you know, oh, well, we can stream. Let's just point a webcam down at your battlefield and you're good to go, honestly. You can make it work. Yeah. So sometimes it gets, you have to get a little creative, but you it can be done. You can find other ways to play with people because when we were all in different states, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a deck box that's got a singe mark on it because we actually used it to hold an iPad on a chandelier to point down at a table. Right. And we're just, and we have a little, you know, screen on the laptop and we're just yelling at each other, no, 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 the card next to that. <laughs> but it was fun and we got a new experience and we got a new play group and it worked out really well. Fantastic. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a really tough situation to be limited geographically or otherwise with how you can get a play group or having yeah. that, you know. And I think that there's only so much that can be said both as advice and even after you've exhausted everything that you can think of, like sometimes it's a really bad break and it right. sucks. And I, I hope that people can find ways to make it better. So, Oh, thank goodness. You know, I mean, end of the day, M- Magic Arena, log on, pick your commander. Right? No? Oh, oh, right. Oh, but wait, you can play Brawl? That's not bad because you got the friends list. Oh, yeah. Today's not Wednesday. I like to think of myself as a death harmonicon, doubling the effects of any of the death triggers that I see. I also give your creature tokens vigilance and lifelink. Needless to say, this deck is chock full of death triggers for me to see, along with plenty of other potent and profitable win cons. There are multiple strategies you can play with me as your commander. Some depend on my abilities to truly shine, and others can happen without me even on the board.